This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Roddy takes the snap. He'll look to the right side. He's throwing deep again, going to the end zone, up in the air. Touchdown, Eskimos! Adarius Bowman! Hey, that's three! From Carpat and Finland, Jesse Pogujarvi. He takes the snap, and J.C. Sherritt goes over the top. The Eskimo defense has done it! Eskimos win the football game. It is short. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chet. It's the show that is not endorsed by Ted Cruz. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Football tomorrow. Hamilton, Eskimos at the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. We have the full preview of all the storylines and sideline scuttlebutt. Coming up, Drew Edwards from the Hamilton Spectator and Dave Campbell from the desk behind me in the 630 Jet Sports Department. Plus, Bob Stoffer from Oilers Now is going to hop on the show. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk. Little U of A hockey on the docket as well. i got to tell you, it's been an incredible spring and summer for graduates of the U of A hockey program. So we'll get some details from their general manager, Stan Marple. We'll talk a little bit more about the NASCAR Pinties Series event coming up at Edmonton International Raceway tomorrow night. Oh, and we'll talk some golf. And i got to say right off the top, thanks to everybody at the Glendale general manager, Craig Rusnak, assistant pro Adam Bruce, head pro Greg McGarry. Got to golf today, media day for the Oil Country Championship. It'll all get rolling on Monday with the Celebrity Pro-Am. The tournament itself goes from uh, Thursday to Sunday next week. The latest stop on the McKenzie Tour. The Glendale, looking good, looking good. Though it made me realize, uh, if I needed another reminder, how far away I am from being a good golfer, especially on slick greens like that. Man, it's going to be a tough test for those young men when they tee off. But, uh, yeah, a lot of fun out there today, so thanks for the hospitality. Thanks to everybody from the Oilers Entertainment Group for uh, getting us out there as well. Always fun to play around a round of golf. Reed Wilkins with you. We'll keep you updated on the relevant baseball games. The Blue Jays, of course, in a wild card spot, but they'd love to finish first in the American League East. Right now they're in third, and they're tied with Seattle 1-1 in the bottom of the fourth. There's a CFL game tonight. Ottawa 3-0-1 at Saskatchewan 0-3. It'll start at 7. Dave Campbell. Hopping into studio right off the bat tonight. Dave, old boy, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. You uh, you got some sun there, Reed. Do I do I look tanned? You look good. You look like you had a good time at the golf course. I'm having a good summer, i got to tell you that. Yeah. Possibly the best summer of my life. How many rounds of golf you played so far? Well, not that many, maybe nine. That's pretty nine good, Nine or though. ten. That's good. I That's usually good. probably get in five or six. I've made a more of a concerted effort to, and i got to say, thank, again, thanks to the Glendale, and i got to thank Taylor Sinski at the Quarry. Mm-hmm. Uh, com. You can check them out. We got uh, videos from the quarry on our, our YouTube page because I actually am improving as a golfer, Excellent. which is encouraging. Yes. I, I had a lesson with Taylor uh, yesterday, and we primarily worked on my aiming mm-hmm. 
and you were telling me about that hitting the ball off the team. Yeah, you were telling me about that, and it's uh, it was very interesting. Yes, and I don't expect. I mean, some people are oh, you what are you do don't you just getting upset? I'm like, no, I just want to be a little bit better. And today, I hit two really bad drives. One of which I lost the ball on. Fair enough, it'll happen. Every other drive in the fairway or just barely in the rough. Yeah, I can live with that. Yeah, exactly. I can live with that. So I worked at it a little bit, and uh, some results paid off. But again, that course, it is it is set up for pro golfers, <laughs> and I am not one. Now I was playing a shorter version of the course. Right. Thankfully, like I said, the greens. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm just tapping the ball. Greens like tabletops. Yes, like glass tabletops. <laughs> and then uh, the the rough is the rough stick. The rough's punitive. Yeah. You know, like I, I had I I mean I was able to get it out. It's not really high, but it's lush. Yeah. So, so just no, take your no medicine. Clean, eh? No clean contact for me. You're just advancing the ball. Up. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had fun. Uh, you know, I mean, it's going to be fun next week with the uh, Oil Country uh, Championship here, and you know, it'd be nice to see some uh, good golf here. Also, a shout out to Kevin Kleininger, regional VP for. Edmonton uh, RBC. He was uh, my cart mate. Is that what you're called? My playing partner. Sure. He's, he's good. Yeah. I mean, that guy's good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. If you ever need Clevin, Kevin Kleininger in your like uh, you know business, your corporate challenge event, call <laughs> RBC and enlist the guy. He's good. Good player. All right. Uh, so anyway, but I interviewed uh, uh, Jessica Kent and I from uh, the Oilers Entertainment Group. Uh, interviewed uh, interviewed Grant Fewer. We'll have that later on tonight, and we'll have uh, some comments from Craig Rusnick, the uh, Glendale general manager. Because I'm I'm curious about getting the course in that condition. I mean, mm-hmm. they have hosted a lot of uh, high caliber events in the past, so they're they're no stranger of it. But you want to make sure it's it's absolute the best challenge it can be when the tournament rolls. Absolutely around. for sure. All right, so uh, Dave, we got the Eskimos and Tiger Cats on this station tomorrow, three thirty pregame show, five o'clock for uh, the kickoff. For the second year in a row, I've picked these two teams to play in the Grey Cup. Last year, <laughs> I got it half right. Yep. Um, and I do think Hamilton's going to be much improved. Here's my first question for you before we talk about some of the lineup notes. How much, and I and I hate to phrase it this way. But how much worse of a team are they with Mazzoli instead of Kalaros at quarterback? Um, they are. They are. I don't want to say significantly worse, but they are worse. Uh, Zach Kalaros is such a good decision maker. Is someone that knows how to push the ball downfield, but knows how to take his medicine too. Uh, he's very good at mobility in the pocket. You know, Jeremiah Mazzoli. He's got. You know, he's a guy that can pull the ball down and run. He can make the throws downfield. But when he's pressured, you want to, you know, and I think that's what what the Eskimos have to do, force him into doing something that he doesn't want to do. And young quarterbacks like to, I'm in trouble. I'm just going to throw ball, throw throw the ball downfield, and something wonderful is going to happen, knock down, interception, whatever. So uh, I think the decision-making part of the quarterback position in Hamilton is worse because Jeremiah Mazzoli is not a good, as good of a decision-maker than Zach Caleros. He definitely can make the throws, and that's why it's important for the Eskimos' front four to get to Jeremiah Mazzoli and pressure him and make him and force him to do things he doesn't want to do. Mazzoli, uh, I mean, he's, tw- he's 27, but in terms of experience, he's, he's, a, he's, yeah. a, young, he's a young quarterback. So, uh, now... Is this the Eskimos' defense obviously really under fire for the first two games? Thirty-seven points in regulation time against Ottawa, and then you tack on the eight mm-hmm. in overtime. Thirty-six allowed against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, including seventeen in the final eight minutes when it looked like they were ready to put the game away. They did make the big play in overtime. 
Winnipeg, clearly not as good a team, but they did hold them to, to 16 and were pretty stingy in, in the second half. And and they, they got more they got three sacks against Drew Willie and the Bombers after having only two coming into that game. Mm-hmm. Are the Eskimos going to be able to get a, an effective pass rush going in this game? How do you see the matchup against the Tiger Cats offensive line? I say yes. I think there there is a good chance of them of that happening. Uh, there's a key injury on the Tiger Cat line. Uh, Mike Filer, who's their center, is out for for uh, the next number of weeks. Uh, he's out with uh, I'm not sure. Where, Exactly what the injury is, but uh, he's on the sixth game, so they got a, a raw rookie in there uh, at center. So, and they're they're not as good as they were last year the, or the years before. I mean, they lost Joel Figueroa, who's with the Eskimos now, and uh, he was he was a fine tackle. Uh, they still have the guys like Peter Diakowski. They got Brian, uh, Ryan Bauman, who's an excellent O lineman. But there's some deficiencies there, and I think the Eskimos front four really showed up last week. And, you know, I was talking to Odell Willis and I was talking to Marcus Howard before the game in Winnipeg. Hey, the film shows us we're getting close. We're getting close. I talked to Amando Sewell and he goes, I don't care about close. we got to get there. We're just not yeah, getting there exactly. enough. So, so, but they got there a lot. And they hurried Drew Willie a lot, too. And they were in the backfield a lot, disrupting Andrew Harris. So I think uh, they got to do the same thing tomorrow, and I think they stand a good chance. And it's up to that front four to to create pressure. It's up for Mike Benavides to send different sorts of looks, like he did last week against Drew Willies. You know, disguise some looks, throw things that Jeremiah Mazzoli isn't comfortable with, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, that front four, it's you know, this defense, not, unlike Chris Jones, where Chris Jones will will risk take a lot more. Mm-hmm. Benavides won't do that as much. He relies a lot on his front four. Then he'll play some games. There's a big concern for me. My worry pants are hiked up to naval height. I see They that. are gray rugby pants. Ugh. <laughs> They're gray. Glad it's radio, folks. <laughs> I have my gray rugby worry pants hiked right up when I start thinking about Brandon Banks. Because you can get he's, he's that good. You can yeah. have a great game plan, and he still does uh, something. To, I mean, I mean, sure, it's easy to say. Well, kick to the sideline, you risk a penalty depending on the start of the field. Yep. I mean, you, you got to kick to him if he's back there on, on kickoffs. you got to be wary of missed field goals, though I know Sean White hasn't missed a lot. He have 18 in a row until he missed mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, you can make a perfect kick and have really good coverage, and I just think he's he's that dangerous. He is. And if you go back to the game last Friday against the Montreal Alouettes, I mean, the Tiger Cats offensively were dreadful. And then all of a sudden, in the third quarter, Brandon Banks returns an 86-yard uh, punt return for a touchdown, breaks the game open, and that really changed momentum. He can do that. So that's the X factor, you know, I think on this team is that Brandon Banks can provide offense from the special teams. He's already got, uh, I believe, it nine punt return touchdowns. So he's tied for top five all, all time in yeah. the league. He wants to set the record of most punt return touchdowns in a season. It's set, uh, it's set six, set in 2011 by Chris Williams, who was with the Ticats at that time. so, But he's a difference maker for sure. So, And the Eskimos cover unit on punts near the worst in the league. I mean, they're allowing over 14 yards a crack. So that's not good enough. They have to be a lot better. And, uh, you know, but you, you're going to try if you're Grant Shaw, you know, you're going to try and, you know, cross punt, you know, punt cross field, make him run. You know, all the way across the field, let let the ball bounce. And honestly, if the ball is bouncing around, I'm not saying take liberties, but take a shot at him. You know, hit him, punish him, 
you know, take the five yards. Just take the five Don't yards. Don't take the 15, but just, you know, do it within legal legal and punishing means. You know, just wear them down. Right. Hard, easier said than done, though. Hard to do. Seattle just goes up 2-1 on the Blue Jays. It's in the top of the fifth. I know there are a couple key injuries here for the Eskimos, Dave. Can you stick around and give us the update? Yes, I can. 6-17 inside sports on 6-30. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6-30, Chad. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Eskimos getting ready to take on the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Eskimos are two and one. We got the Tiger Cats coming in there two and two. Mm-hmm. They got two wins and two losses, Dave. That's right. They're five hundred. They're exactly <laughs> five hundred. That's what they are. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, why is Ken Austin so angry at the world? I should ask Drew Edwards that. I don't know. You could ask him that very question. Angry at the world and well, here's here's, here's, here's I don't know I I can't you try to I can't explain Ken Austin hopefully Drew can I'm gonna ask him that I mean Kent's yelled at Drew how many times in his coaching career really yeah about what he's been yelled at a lot just in general well the 2013 Grey Cup for example he oh just, was that Drew what did he yell at him about oh well he was just mad I mean the Tie Cats were really bad that day mm-hmm. so. And then they could have won at the end, but they took a... No, oh, no, the Saskatchewan one where they got blown out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Drew is a guy who's not afraid to ask the high-hard one, you know, to, to throw it. And Austin doesn't like high-hard ones. No. Well, and Austin strikes me... I mean, let's face it. If you're... Uh, and I say this as a member of the media, but I, I accept that, at least I certainly hope, that <laughs> coaches of professional teams know more about their sports than I do. <laughs> and And any of the fans. I would certainly hope that. Kent Austin, though, doesn't... There are some coaches that show more patience along those lines. Yeah. I would say Todd McClellan, for example, generally shows a, a lot of patience. Jason Moss shows a lot of patience. Yeah, even even Jones did. Yeah, I would say so. You know. The the worst thing Jones would say that would drive me nuts, well, if you watch as much film as I do, well, clearly I can't well, coach. Well, clearly we don't. <laughs> yeah. so I would if you'd let me, hey, but, Creek, you, but hey, you won't Chris let me. Hey, Jones, if you sat at your desk and ate as many Doritos as I do, okay, you want to get into job descriptions, Jonesy? If you ate as many Doritos as I have, and I think I have as you, it's much as them, you. <laughs> one of them deals where I like my chips. Anyway, Chris Jones is fine. Uh, but, yeah, but Ken Austin knows more about football than most people in the country. He knows he knows more about football than most people in the country. Mm-hmm. And, therefore, he wants to constantly remind you that he knows more. Pretty much. I missed my chance to spar with him today. They were horribly late today getting into Edmonton, so I went, eh, no. What, their plane was delayed? Something like that. It's hard to get out of Hamilton. You can text us at six. Well, the, the it's hard to get into Hamilton. The airport's too. in the middle of a farm field, and it's a bus station. Is it really? Yeah, it's, it's also a bus station. Well, it looks like a bus station. It's small. It's a small airport. It's the oldest airport I've ever been in. I've I've been in the Hamilton Airport. It's been years though. Yeah, well, I don't think anything's changed. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, Inside Sports at six thirty. Chad, you can text six thirty six thirty. The phone number is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero. Airport talk on Inside Sports. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, uh, what's going on with Nate Kuhorn? Uh, on the six-game injured list, a concussion, dove for a ball yesterday in practice, uh, came up, 
uh, looked pretty woozy. They were checking his nose. He had a nosebleed, and they were kind of doing the test of his nose that he may have a possible broken nose too. Uh, but it's concussion-related, so he has to go through protocol. You don't know how long that will take. There's no timeline on the concussion. Uh, so they put him on the sixth game, and we'll you know see what happens. But Nate Kuhorn has had... Really tough luck in the last two games. Uh, dove for a ball against the Riders here at uh, you know on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium and bloodied his nose. Didn't come up with a touchdown. Had another chance at a touchdown in the end zone in Winnipeg last week. Didn't come up with it. And I could tell in practice he was really pressing. I mm-hmm. could tell. It's funny because I was joking with him about it. Hey Nate, is this the week? He's like, ah, you know, he was good about it. But you could tell it's on his mind. I mean, he's really pressing. And I thought he was having a, a pretty good start to his season. He was targeted 16 times in three games. That's a lot for him. Yeah, You know, there are games where he's not targeted. There's games he might get one or two two looks, but he's getting a lot of looks. So they're going to miss his veteran experience. But Natay Ajay will play, and uh, he knows Jason Moss pretty well because when Moss was a coach in Toronto with the Argos, Ajay broke into the league. Uh, seven catches, 68 yards in the preseason. Uh, he doesn't have the experience, but I think he's got the skills to uh, fill in admirably. All right. Uh, what else are we looking at injury-wise? Uh, Dion Ballou is out, uh, the uh, strong side corner. Uh, hurt in practice on Wednesday, uh, returned yesterday, did uh, some work, but he's not going to play, so that means Solomon Means is going to start on the strong side corner. I thought he had a really good training camp, but they put him on the practice roster, and now he gets a shot. That's it. That is it as far as so injury Sheriff's news. fine, O'Donnell's, O'Donnell's fine. fine. David Beard will dress, and I oh, think that's good. more related to the Kuhorn injury than anything, but needs a little protection on their O-line because O'Donnell did take reps. They were somewhat limited, only practiced one so day. So are they going to have any backup receivers? Uh, no, well, Anthony Barrett. He'll, Anthony be back Barrett. On the, he'll be back on the roster, so, okay. and that's it. So only one backup. All right, Kenzel Doe's returning kicks. Kenzel Doe, he, yeah, there's an option if they need uh, another receiver. Kenzel Doe could be pressed uh, in a service uh, to be a receiver if needed. 3.30 pregame show, 5 o'clock kickoff. It's at the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. It's your Eskimos against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Dave Campbell, Morley Scott. Who else do we have? Uh, Blake Dermott. Blake Dermott, Scott Johnson's helping out. Do we have someone doing sidelines tomorrow? Blake Dermott. Blake's doing the sidelines. Yes, he is. In place of Brendan Allred. Look up, Brendan. Well, that's that's outstanding. Yeah. Looking forward to it, buddy. Thanks for sticking around. Thank you very much. That is Dave Campbell, also the producer of this show. Drew Edwards. We're going to find out how many times Kent Austin has yelled at him when we get back inside sports on Chet. Coming up to the 630 News. Weekend planned where we have K Days is underway, Taste of Edmonton going strong. We got the Eskimos tomorrow night. I think the weather is supposed to be good. I really need to start listening to the weather forecasts on uh, my own station. I think it's supposed to be sunny all weekend in, in the mid 20s. So that is good. Five o'clock kickoff tomorrow for uh, Hamilton and the Edmonton Eskimos. We were talking about uh, Kent Austin sometimes being a uh, little, little testy, a little irritated with the media. This is a little snippet from after a loss to Winnipeg earlier this year. This week as well, can you explain why you decided to do that? Uh, what, in the game? Yeah. Did you see the second half? Yeah. Well, uh, how, how did you thought he played other than, other than the turnover? Just 
talking about the decision. That's all. No, I just well, I'm just asking you. You're asking a question about the decision, so you obviously think the decision was a poor decision. So how did you think I didn't he played? say it was a poor decision. I asked you yeah. about the decision. Yeah, I thought he, uh, other than the turnovers, he, yeah. he played pretty well. Okay. But the turnovers are huge, and that's got to stop. And I just addressed that a few seconds ago. Okay. Yeah. All right, that is uh, Kent Austin, and I I don't know if the uh, that other voice is, is was that you, Drew? <laughs> yes, indeed. One of uh, many of uh, those little clashes that, that uh, Austin and I have had over the last three-plus seasons now. So that's, uh, that is uh, our standard operating procedure uh, after loss. Drew Edwards joining us. He covers the Hamilton Tiger Cats for the Hamilton Spectator. Now, is, does he... Uh, I, I want to talk about this because he has done it enough times and I have heard enough things about Ken Austin that, that I do want to talk about it. And I hope it doesn't seem like I'm uh, attacking him or anything because I have often said I think he's the best coach in the Canadian Football League. Um, is, is this just with you that this has developed or does he tend to uh, get that way with a lot of different people in the media? Um, well, look, listen, I'm the beat guy and the, and the only guy that's really there after every single game, after every single practice. Uh, so I think I'm an easy target in that regard, and I'm often the one asking uh, the questions that a head coach might not like after losses, right? So um, now, is he testy with other members of the media at times? Yes. Is he testy with other members of the media after losses in particular? Yes. Uh, is it more so with me? Probably. But I, I honestly... I don't take that personally for a bunch of reasons. One is because you don't see the other interactions on a daily basis where, where Austin and I get along just fine. Uh, I don't. It's not a personal thing. I think with Kent, uh, he's an emotional guy. You see that on the sidelines, right? TSN finds him on the sidelines at every opportunity, particularly after things aren't going uh, the Ticats' way, and he expresses his emotion in real time. And he's like that after losses. What you're seeing is authentically how he feels and given that we criticize players and coaches for giving standard textbook out of the quote book answers all the time uh what you get from austin in those situations is legitimate emotion and i don't think you can criticize people for being boring uh and then criticize a guy when he you know reacts the way a normal human who's disappointed reacts well, you, you make a good point, and that's to me that's such an interesting discussion topic. And to me, one of the most classic examples was: uh, do you remember Richard Sherman after they beat sure. San Francisco, and he called out Crabtree, and he was like, "What do you think of that, Crabtree? You're you're overrated," and everybody and people got upset about it. And uh, and and I said, "Well, okay, you know, maybe he went a little too far, but." He didn't go on air and say, well, I just uh, I thank my teammates and, uh, boy, we gave 110%. No, he hated a member of the other team, and he, and he told everybody that he hated a member. So, so, so you're right, I guess, and maybe I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes we want it both ways, right? You want more personality, but then if they don't show personality the way you're comfortable with, uh, you start asking questions about it. So, but, but it's, so Austin and you then, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty professional relationship. He, he just doesn't seem to be liked. Does, does he not like being questioned about certain aspects of the game, or is it just a loss overall kind of ticks him off? Well, it's both things, frankly. Uh, he, the losses do upset him, and uh, he reacts emotionally to those losses. Also, uh, like a lot of head coaches, 
Austin doesn't like to have his decision-making questioned after the fact, right? And the clip you played, right, uh, what he took exception to was his sense that I was questioning why he didn't pull Jeremiah Mazzoli after whatever it was, four turnovers. And, you know, I'm not necessarily questioning his decision-making in that situation. I'm asking him to explain to me, and more importantly, the fans and the readers, why he makes the decisions that he, he makes, right? Uh, but that's not necessarily how he takes it. He feels like he's being challenged. And being challenged by a person in me or any other member of the media or any other person in the world, frankly, who doesn't know as much about football as Kent Austin does, right? Because Kent Austin believes, rightly or wrongly, that he knows the most about football than, than any, any other person on. And by the way, that's how they all feel, right? Every single coach I've ever come across feels that he's the smartest guy in the room, right? And that's kind of an occupational hazard. And you kind of have to feel that way, right? You have to feel as though you can outsmart the other guy, right? Because that's part of the job description. So, again, I don't take offense to what Austin does because it is it is how he feels about things, right? And listen, we've talked about it privately, about how these interactions can go better. Uh, you know, he's acknowledged the fact that, that he doesn't always like how they turn out after the fact. I don't always like the way I handle them when, you know, after the fact. But, um, you know, I'm in the business of asking questions, and I'm going to ask them regardless of the consequences, and he's going to get upset from time to time. We've learned to live with that. It's been three and a half years. Well, and, and, and again, I, I praise Kent Austin a lot. You can't argue with what he's done as a coach, obviously briefly as a member, uh, as the coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, I mean, look, Drew, I mean, you can go back and, and look at some Tiger Cat seasons from eight to twelve years ago, five and thirteen, four and fourteen, three and fifteen, three and fifteen. They had a couple of nine and nine seasons where they, they didn't win a playoff game. Um, the year before Austin came in at six and twelve. So you, you can't argue with the fact that to me he's he's kind of transformed the Hamilton franchise, made them a lot more deadly and, and maybe a lot more polished and professional if, if those are the words I can use. Well, look, I mean, his interactions with the media don't really, well, they don't impact the team at all, right? I don't think that, that they impact how the team plays. Now, does, does, do Austin's emotions occasionally affect the team? That's a different question, right? I mean, you know, we've seen him interact with players on the sidelines sometimes and express emotion to them in ways that I, I haven't always thought was constructive. I've seen him interact with officials. Uh, you know, he's an emotional guy. Uh, and, and emotional guys, you know, not always is that emotion directed in the most constructive of ways. That's just the way it goes. But I completely agree with you in that there's no question the man's a good coach, right? His track record proves that. And the Tigers have been a successful team uh, since he's been here, and he was a good coach when he was in Saskatchewan, where they won a Grey Cup, something they hadn't done for quite some time before he got there. So, look, it's part of what... That passion and, and the things that make him uh, excitable and, and, and lead to those interactions, that's part of what makes him successful. That passion, that, that energy he shows, that emotion, that's part of, part of who he is. You can't try to take that away and keep the rest of it. Drew Edwards joining us on Inside Sports, covers the Tiger Cats for the Hamilton Spectator. The, they are an interesting team because uh, for, the, for the second year in a row, I, I'm I'm picking them to win the Grey Cup, Drew, because I think that highly of 
well, a lot of their players and Austin. And you know, we, I'm going to ask you about Brandon Banks, but I think that highly of Zach Kalaros. And, and Dave Campbell and I talked about it in the first half of the show. I mean, Masoli, I thought he's looked good at times this year. I thought he's looked a little lost at times this year. I just think Kalaros is, is, is going to be such a spark to this team when he returns. Uh, how do you see it, and when do you expect him to be back? Well, the timeline, I think, is still undetermined, given that you don't really know how knee injury is going to react to additional workload, right? So Kalaros has been practicing now for a couple of weeks seems to be going well, uh, but he still isn't doing full 12-on-12 team drills, right? He still hasn't made, you know, a sudden cut uh, because someone is in pursuit of him. And, you know, as they build up the workload on that knee, uh, you know, anything involving soreness or swelling, any setback can, can affect the timetable. Now, assuming all goes well, I kind of expect that on, on the short side that Claro could be back as early as August 3rd against Winnipeg, and then, if not then, probably more likely is the August, I think it's 13th game in uh, B.C. So the Tigers are on a bye after this. It's a short bye, but they basically play one or two games within the span of, like, 20 days. It's, it's quite stretched out, so he's going to have some time to sort of build up the strength and, and get there. So that's when I think he may be back. Now, will he be the same Zach Kloros we saw when he got hurt? Uh, against Edmonton in September, that's a big ask, right? He was playing at a pretty high level at that point, and asking a guy that hasn't played football in almost a calendar year to come out and perform at an MLP level, uh, there could be some rust there, right? But, you know, talking to guys in practice, they're like, wow, like sharp, accurate, um, the same old Zach is sort of how they've put it. So he may just pick up right where he left off. All right. Brandon, Dave Campbell and I were talking, and and for me, Brandon Banks is the number one worry for the Edmonton Eskimos. What do you think Hamilton's number one worry is about Edmonton? I think the number one worry for Hamilton is probably the defensive line uh, for the Eskimos. Look, they're starting a center in Matthew Gerard, who has not played a single, hasn't started in the game in the CFL. He's been there a year. Uh, has played a little bit in a reserve role, but uh, their starting center, Mike Filer, uh, was, was injured at the end of the win over Montreal. And so, you know, they're starting at Gerard, a guy that's never started a game at center, never started a game at all in the CFL. And his first uh, opponent is, you know, Amano Sewell, who is a CFL all-star, right? So that's a big ask. And, uh, you know, you're talking about two offensive linemen, lines and two defensive lines that, you know, have dominated at times this season. That's going to be the biggest uh, tell, I think, in this game. If, if the Ticats can protect Mazzoli and Gerard can hold up, they may be okay. If you can't, it's going to be a long night. All right. Well, uh, I mean, Hamilton still with some danger. I mean, I interviewed Chad Owens on the show yesterday, and, and this guy is a great, I mean, 34 years old, and maybe he's not quite as dangerous as he used to be, but that must have been a huge signing for Hamilton. To, and he said Toronto didn't offer him a contract, and he had just moved to Mississauga, so I guess Hamilton quickly became the number one destination for him. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Owens is still a little sore about the way that turned out, no question. I think he hoped that he was going to finish his career in Toronto. I think he had the sort of pinball Clemens career arc in mind where he, you know, finished his playing career and then took a role within the organization and became a member of the community. And then when the, when the Argos didn't, 
you know, offer him a contract that was sort of all out the window. I think he's used that as motivation this season and is continuing to do that. Now, I think he's also changed his body, too. Uh, I think he came into camp lighter and slimmer, and he's gotten a little bit of that burst back, I think, that's been missing maybe in the last year and a half or so. So he's played really well. Now, is he still, you know, the, the triple threat, deep threat guy that he was in his prime years in Toronto? No. I mean, that, that burst of speed, that top-end speed is no longer there, and that's the product of age. But, you know, he's also still a very savvy receiver, knows the spots in the defense. His hands have been good. Uh, yeah, I think he's outperformed the expectations that Tycats had for him coming in. All right, Drew. Great to have you on the show. And by the way, thanks for not challenging any of the questions that I asked. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> I just I just wanted to bring it up. Oh, no. All right. All right. Have fun tomorrow, buddy. Weather should be good. Good. The stadium's going to look great. Good to have you in town. Thanks a lot, man. Take care. That is Drew Edwards checking in. Covers the Tiger Cats for uh, the Hamilton Spectator. I think this is a game. I'm going to stick with what I said yesterday. Maybe I'm being a little cocky here, but I mean, there's no doubt the Eskimos are a good team. As you may have noticed, they have gone 12 and 1 in their last 13 games that have counted. The only loss was in overtime against the Ottawa Red Blacks. They won their last eight regular season games last year. They won two playoff games, including the Grey Cup. They lost their opener this year, and now they've won their last two. And I think with Kolaros out, and and you just heard Drew talking about the injury on the offensive line, and I think with the Eskimos' offense continuing to develop, you got Walker, you got Bowman, you got White, Watson's looking dangerous. Okay, Kuhorn's not going to play. That takes a little bit away, but let's face it, he's not the primary threat there. I think this is a game the Eskimos can control and are going to control, and I don't think we're going to be biting our nails down to the end like we have been in the first three games of the season. Kellen Kennedy just gave me a confident nod yeah. from the control room. Either that or you dropped something and you were looking for it. Um, both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's uh, Kellen Kennedy. More from him a little bit later All on. Right. It is uh, 648 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Uh, Bob Stoffer's coming up a little bit from Jordan Eberle as well. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. So the Canadian Open heading into the weekend at Glen Abbey in Oakville, Ontario. Dustin Johnson and Luke List are tied for the lead. They're both seven under par. Three golfers are at six under, including a Canadian, Jared Dutois, shooting 67 yesterday and then 71 today. Adam Hadwin, another Canadian, he's tied for 21st. He is uh, two under par. Garrett Rank, the guy who is also an NHL referee, a little bit of a tougher day today, a three over 75. He's even for the tournament. He is tied for 36th. So that is the update from the Canadian Open as we go into the weekend. Of course, the Oil Country Championship. Really, it gets going on Monday with the uh, Celebrity Pro-Am. We uh, had the auction going that closed this afternoon to golf with Jordan Everly and Grant Fewer. Hmm. Do we, we have a couple of uh, day passes, don't we, Kellen, to the we tournament? Do. Yes. So uh, you'll have, you won't be able to pick these up until Monday mm-hmm. here at 630 Chet, but then you can go to the tournament uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday next week. Yep. So uh, in honor of the uh, – we had the media today today. Hmm. So in honor of the score I shot on the Glendale, hmm. caller 110 <laughs> – <laughs> no? Okay, caller two. We'll add together the digits sure. in that. One, yeah, one, and zero. Yeah. Caller number two 
wins a couple of day passes to the Oil Country Championship. Sound fair? 110, really. Yeah, and I actually played well. Ah. That's for me. That's how hard the course yeah, is. There we go. It's, it's, it's hard. You are getting better with your golf. I think all that helps. This, uh, this I, hit the, I actually hit the ball quite well today. And yeah. like I said, Taylor Sinski, the stuff at the quarry, the stuff we went over yesterday off the tee, I was good. Uh, but I hit a couple tee shots that still wound up in the rough because the, uh. the fairways are tight or I'd never played the course. But I, I was actually uh, I was actually pretty happy with, with how I hit the ball. And they, they, I honestly, count. I think I three-putted 16 of the 18 holes ah, because okay. they're so fast. Like I just was like, I had no idea. Grant Fewer, I got the golf with Grant Fewer. He said I probably had a thousand feet worth of putts today because I was always so far away from the hole, yeah. and then I would hit it, and then I wouldn't be much closer. And then it, it, anyway, it was fun. All right, uh, what are we doing? Caller two gets the passes. Caller two gets the passes. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Bob Stoffer is going to join us after the seven o'clock news. He had Jordan Everly on Oilers Now today. You can get the full conversation by going to the Oilers Now page on the website known as six thirty ched dot com. Everly talking about what he's working on over the summer. Well, I think I mean in the gym, obviously with the kids coming in, everyone's so fast now. You just want to continue to to get faster and stronger. I think that's always uh, a big thing, but. For me, um, I actually hired a shooting coach out of um, out of Vancouver, so I've been working with him the last little bit and trying to improve my shot, one timer, release, and 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 uh, you know the big thing I'm looking forward to is during the season, um, you know he he goes over stuff and just trying to find ways to to improve my goal scoring ability. So um, that's one thing I've definitely added to uh, to my game this summer. Well, you know what? I'm encouraged to hear that. Uh, Jordan Everly, uh, I mean, 25 goals in 69 games last season, so you can you can make a pretty safe assumption that he's at or very close to 30 if he plays all 82 games. Hey, Cassandra. How are you? Good. It's got a special guest in the studio. It's Cassandra from our promotions department. How are you tonight? Good. How are yeah, it's you? great to see you working late on a Friday. Yeah. Who, who wants a social life, Cassandra? Just stay at Chet all night. Uh, Jordan Everly, 25 goals in 69 games. The one, the one thing I would be critical of Everly, and I know he's a good offensive player, and some of you have said, Reed, back off Everly. He's he's worth the contract. Don't don't." I just thought sometimes, please one-time the puck. That's all I'm saying, especially on the power play. Congrats did, to Kevin. He gets the passes. Did KGM get the tickets? He did. I love KGM. Great guy. A loyal inside sports listener. Um, so that's all I'm saying about Everly. Just, you know, maybe he's working on a quicker release, uh, one-time thump. He's got a good shot. He's got a very good shot. I just think sometimes he takes a little too long to get it off. And, and a lot of this game, and a lot of what McClellan wants to do is get that puck to the net quickly, create a little chaos around the net, and, you know, put it into the goalie skates, into the defenseman skates, all that, all that kind of stuff. So encouraging from Everly. Everly also talking to Bob about the trade, Hall for Larson. Taylor and I came into into this league together and and you know lived with each other for a while, gained a you know a relationship and and uh, you know it's tough to see a good friend go. I know he's going to do well in New Jersey though, but um, you know in the in the other S, I think we got a great defenseman in, and I think that's going to help our team a lot. Um, I think you know, obviously Pete was trying to address uh, an area that we needed to improve on and and uh, you know you have to give up something. So um, you know for for me I, I haven't had that much experience playing against him. Um, you know. Obviously, we don't play them as much as uh, as we do the, the Western Conference. But from what I've heard, he's a very good defensive state home. It's kind of what we need. All right. That is uh, Jordan Everly, and we'll talk more about that conversation with Bob Stoffer coming up after the 7 o'clock news. Also tonight, a little more from the uh, golf course. You will hear from Grant Fuhr. You'll also hear from the general manager of the Glendale, Craig Rusnick, about getting 
the Glendale in shape for this McKenzie Tour event. I got to tell you, it's in shape to make it difficult for me. Then again, most courses are quite difficult for me. You can, uh, somebody just texted in, what did Grant shoot? I, I actually don't know what Grant Fuhr shot. Um, I, I, I would guess it was around 80. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, how do you know? You weren't there. Well, he's a good golfer, though. Uh, he made, I mean, he, I, I, he had a couple tough holes, to be honest with you, but I, he, he had a lot of pars. Yeah. So definitely hits the ball very well. All right, here's what we're going to do. Is with news time already? News it, coming up at is. 7. Blue Jays are still down 2-1. That's in the bottom of the sixth. Stoffer after the news. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.